This week on the show, we go over the episode of the week, Disaster of My Dreams, and with this one, we really just roll with it. And it's finally time to discuss the ticking clock. And we'll also discuss managing Murphy's Law, but we'll spend most of the time managing Rachel's excitement about the end of the episode. So stay tuned this week for all this and more on Horse in a Bookcase, the show. It's a horse in a bookcase! It's a horse in a bookcase! Little horse in a bookcase! It's a horse! Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of A Miracle or a Milo. It's the last Halloween and actually this is last Halloween because Halloween has already passed. So we're past the last Halloween and that's kind of what I was going to try and make some sort of pun or alliteration out of but I clearly have failed. Anyways, Rachel, how are you doing this week? I'm doing good. So this week we have two more episodes to review of uh, Milo Murphy's Law. We're getting closer to the latter half of the season, which makes me really sad because I'm really enjoying going through these uh, new Milo episodes with a fine comb. Yeah, it's fun to go through them all. I <laughs> never would have guessed it would have been this fun to record it, but it is. So we're going to go ahead and get started, though, with an episode from last season as our episode of the week. I should put some sort of musical sting there this time because that would make it give it more of a punch so this week's episode of the week is disaster of my dreams so the first thing i wanted to say about this episode is that elliot has an amazing musical number to open his musical numbers are always going to be one of my favorites it's just absolute insanity it's like a combination of jazz and broadway and just it's it's all over the place it's the dupe style music Exactly, and Elliot's for, right there for, with that. For Elliot. Oh yeah, Doof, Doof style music. Uh, Doof loves his his uh, Broadway numbers. So there's also the giant crash test dummy in the sky. Do you think we'll see him return? I don't know, but I feel like he and Launchpad know each other too. Oh, are they voiced by the same person? No. Oh, okay. It's just because it's a, <laughs> it's a crash test dummy, so I was like... I totally flew over my head. Well, at least um, I'm not alone there anymore. Because usually I'm the one who misses them. So, another thing. Elliot, it turns out he has to wake up at 6am every morning to put tape on public fence posts and birds' beaks stopping them from eating. It seems like a, a strange way to be a volunteer safety guard to essentially prevent birds from eating. How do you feel about this? I feel bad for the bird. That was like my first thought. I'm like, why? Why would you do that to the poor little bird? He's not gonna be able to eat. Like, I feel like Elliot would just—he's like the anti-environmentalist. He's so concerned about safety. I hope someone came along and fixed that. Elliot's almost like doof in like his incompetence towards doing good. Yeah, and there—I'm trying to think of what it is, but there is one thing that sets them apart especially and it's just hard to kind of figure what it is elliot's high level of sarcasm i was gonna say i do think elliot's just a little bit brighter yeah because you know he's okay i was gonna say he's not stupid but sometimes he kind of (laughs) is but you know in a lovable way but you know he's not completely stupid you know he he has his smart moments obviously yeah because he's always building 
So we also have, uh, this is just something that I, I picked up in the background. There's this poster for this thing called Taco Tuesday. Now I know back in season one we saw the orange soda billboard back in the Isle of Lost Dakotas, which was foreshadowing for the orange soda in the Phineas and Ferb effect. So is Taco Tuesday going to be a major season two plot episode, perhaps? Um, the time machine looked like a taco at first. It did. That's, that's, what, I get, that's what I can't help but think of there. That's true. And then, you know, into the taco stand, too. That could have been foreshadowing for that. Yeah, now that I think about it, yeah, that makes much more sense than my theory. <laughs> Wait, what was, what was yours? My theory was that, like, Taco Tuesday had, like, a connection to the Lego movie, and there was going to be some sort of huge crossover with Milo Murphy's Law and the Lego movie characters. In hindsight, that was far-fetched from the start. <laughs> I was just thinking, how how would you do that that's i don't know it seems so bizarre gravity falls like, did like, the stop motion episode yeah i'm not like against it's just like whoa that seems weird <laughs> i think the just biggest bizarre. problem would be that they're like two different studios they kind of did something semi-similar to like a lego thing if you go to milo's world they had it i mean it's not legos but you know they played it it's, like it was uh, a little video yeah. game or something non-specific blocks brick and Savannah. It's the brick. Brick, brick, brick. It's fun. No, so there's also my favorite joke, perhaps, in all of Milo Murphy's Lost Season 1. I've got to make, like, a predicate and follow my subject. Elliot is such a grammar nerd. <laughs> and then, like, I'm telling later to Bradley that he had a joke and no one heard it and everything. One of the few times they interact, and for some reason that small little interaction was so much fun. I think that's why they gave them more time in, um, what was it, uh, World Without Milo. Yeah, and I love that even more. <laughs> that was a great, great scene. They get a lot, they, they agree in many different ways about Milo. So it's like seeing the two of them kind of interact over that. Even funnier, seeing him have Bradley, like, as Milo. And he's just, if he had known Milo at that point, he probably would not have done that. Yeah. For five bucks. So there's a couple safety violations that Elliot points out. One of them is playing a rock song on an accordion. It's a nice little jab at everything that Weird Al does. Yep. Weird Al has parodied many rock songs throughout his career. I've not heard all of the, his songs, so I'm like, I like Milo and I like Mel Murphy's song, but Weird Al is not my... You know, it's not my expertise, I guess you could say. Yeah. I think I've heard a couple. And the ones that I've heard are pretty good. His lyrics are always super funny. I do like the one that you um, like to spam me once constantly. <laughs> oh, word crimes. That's a good one. Not sure if it counts as rock, but I do like that song. Yeah, I, do, I just like it. I didn't really think that is a rock song either. There is a rock song in an episode later, though. Or more, maybe it's more pop, I don't know. Okay, so, there's another thing. Elliot, is he's like, when he's spying on Milo, he's the only bush on the field. <laughs> like, like he, he thought through this and said, this is a good disguise. Let me, in an area where the entire land is flat and there's no bushes, I'm going to disguise myself as a bush. And, like, popping up out of it and everybody's just staring at him like, they're, they're just kind of like, okay? And then he goes, yeah. you know, he just... 
he jumps back into the bush, and they're just kind of like, mm, we don't all care. right, not, not the weirdest thing I've seen, so let's just let's just go on with the game. Yeah, everybody sitting on that team has Milo, so. They're very used to awkward things, so that is, like, the most normal thing they've probably ever seen. Yeah. The episode also had the really good full version of Just Roll With It. I really liked it. Yeah. I was, like, a little disappointed first because I was like, oh, they're they're using another song again, and I think I said this once. And then you got into it more, and it was like it was extended, so that made me much happier because I was like, we get more of it, which we don't get with a lot of songs unless there's, like, a soundtrack. Hashtag release the Milo Murphy's Law full soundtrack. Yes, I was, like, kind of hinting at that there. We need we need it, Dan and Swampy. We need the full extended version of Chop, Chop, Chop. The full extended version of uh, I'm Taking a Stroll. You know, all those all those great songs from season one. And, of course, we're managing Murphy's Law. Did I forget the name of the song? Oh, yeah. Just, yeah, just, just getting started. That song needs to have a full three-minute-and-a-half-long version. That doesn't get, you know, talking over top of it. Yeah. So the last thing about this episode that I thought of, Principal Milder has about no reaction to her car getting crushed by the boulder from Elliot and the bicycle. She's essentially like, oh, well, you're not hired. Good day. And she just walks off. Her car's just crushed. I'm like, this is what her life has become because of Murphy's Law. Yeah, and like when she walks out and Elliot's on the fountain, just like, are you? she's just like, are you sitting on the drinking fountain? And he's like, no. And then she just stares, turns, and walks off. She doesn't even want to say anything anymore. That's why she let Milo and Co. have the uh, the band room for practice, just just so Milo wouldn't walk by. She just office. accepts it, not happily probably, but she accepts it. I think that's so funny because I mean, you go back to like other season one episodes, like the math book, and she like lets Milo in her office, so uh, you can see her progression. Like in there's a couple of episodes where she's just like this really tough you know, middle school principal. Now she's just like, I give up. Don't do anything. Yeah, she's kind of like a mix, I guess. You have to catch her with the right thing. Yeah, she was also in Cake Explosion briefly. I'm trying to think if there were any other times she appeared this season. We need to see a little more of some of the other teachers, too. That'd be kind of nice. Yeah, I've missed the teachers. The whole school aspect seems to have kind of fallen by the wayside, which is sad. Well, like, anytime they are at school... It always has to do with Doof, so it's never, like, about the characters at school. Yeah, so if we kind of got a little less Doof screen time, we could have gotten more screen time from the teachers. And, you know, we've gotten a lot, quite a bit from each of them. We've gotten quite a bit from their principal and from Ms. Marowski and from Mr. Draco. The only one we didn't get as much from, I can't remember her name, which probably shows how little we get from her but you know she was at the science museum in, in the second segment of the first episode oh yeah we never we never really see her again yeah like we see her in some like a yacht and she says a little bit there but other than that we don't get a lot of her personality or character that's like the uh like the one kid who's at the bus stop and going the extra milo and snow way out like there's the one who's the one who's scared of Amanda. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was like, I'm pretty sure he was the, that that one. Yeah, he only had, like, that one small line, but I really liked that. Considering how, so, like, Bradley and, I want to say it was Chad, 
and Mort were at the bus stop. They all got character development, but then... Or no, Chad... I think it was... It was Chad, I think, and Mort was already on the Mort bus. Mort was already on the off. bus, yeah. That's what it was. But yeah, it'd be nice to see some of that other character, too. Because we gotta see Mort, and we gotta see Chad, so that character would be kind of interesting, but... Maybe compare him with Joni. He's kind of like a little bit more of a side character, even more of a side character, a background character, than the side characters or background characters really are. There's like there's like levels. Like Bradley is like a minor character. Joni is a minuscule character, and this other kid that's yet unnamed is like a background character with one line. Yeah, like Mort is probably a little bit of a bigger character than Bradley is right now. Yeah. You can kind of kinda always wanna, tell how... Or Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I kind of want to see them just hanging out. Like an episode of Bradley hanging out with Mort and his other friend that I don't think we know the name of. And maybe Chad, too. That's one thing I do wish about Milo Murphy's Law. I wish we could have episodes without the main trio. That it's just, like, totally something else. Not Doof and D.O.G., but, like side characters like give give all the side characters an adventure yeah because we've had some of those with like phineas and fur where kind of like pinky and oh, what was her name the other the other evil scientist professor poof and plots thank you yes uh, that's who i meant her plans were so bad and i i think i like doof a little bit better than her like watching Perry fight Doof. Oh, definitely, but still, her level of stupidity was surpassed even that of Dr. Heinz Doofenshmirtz. Plan, drink <laughs> a bunch of jelly to become like a queen bee, and people will crown you queen of the world. Yeah, that was definitely, definitely way worse. Her first, her first evil plot wasn't even an evil plot. She just wanted to look good for world domination, so she needed the hairspray. Oh, yeah. That one wasn't, like, as stupid on her part, like, the whole jelly thing. She just wanted stiff beauty. That was the whole sap episode, too. The old abandoned, old abandoned amusement park. So, mm -hmm. we've, we've taken off from Disaster of My Dreams, but I really liked this episode. It was really funny. It had a lot of great jokes. And, of course, more Elliot screen time, which I've probably said this half a million times, but I always like seeing more of him. More of Elliot is never a bad thing, especially when he gets a little bit of character growth. Yep. Hopefully we get a payoff of that. We'll see. Hopefully we get another Elliot episode, too. We know we're going to get one. Don't know how soon, but we know we're going to get one. That's right, with the uh, Elliot handcuffed to Milo that we saw the other time. Still very interested to see how that's going to go. So the first episode we're actually going to review this week is going to be the ticking clock a sequel to the episode a clockwork origin this episode was the first in the pairing of ticking clock and managing murphy's law so we start this episode with a nice overshot of danville and then milo zach is teasing milo about setting off parking meters every time he walks by them and we learn that milo doesn't have such great luck when it comes to walking by parking meters I still find that to be really funny. Zach just pointing out as every single one goes on and he goes off and you know they get to the last one and nothing happens. So Milo's just like, like, see, it's not always guaranteed. And you know he's 
fairly confident that, you know, he's he's right here, and then all of a sudden, it catches fire. <laughs> and, like, this is one of my favorite Murphy's Law effects for a little while now. Yeah, because there isn't a whole lot of Murphy's Law when once you get inside the clock tower. Yeah, but, like, the only words in the song, but... There was a little bit. It, yeah, it catches fire, and he, like, puts it out, and Zach goes on to say how it's, like... And then a save crashes down. It's just like the Phineas and Ferb effect when their thing just crumples to the ground and then just catches fire. It's the way they draw that out is fun. It's like the it's like the peach and how they draw that drew that out. Yeah. So we also there was this one line Zach said. I'm hoping old Bessie isn't a person. When Melissa's like, uh, they're gonna tear down or they're gonna take apart old Bessie. I forget I forget what his exact thing. But Zach's just like. I'm hoping old Bessie isn't a person. I was just like, Zach, you're so precocious, just like your mom. And how he questions its name and everything, and Melissa just like, they name everything in this town. Just like, this bus stop is named Steven, or Steve, and then Milo's like, his full name is Steven. That was good, And then yeah. next thing you know, next thing you know, here comes Perry the plot of us, and I can't help but think of Duke calling him Steven, and I'm like, that's the real Steven. I feel the like there was up. a Steven and Phineas and Ferb at some point. No, I'm going to look it up. No, wait, didn't they name that lizard? Yes, that's who it was. It was the lizard, Steven. The and then, like, a ton of other characters, too, because there was, like, a convention. The Steve convention, that's right. That was funny. So we also uh, found out that Abigail Chase is Melissa's great-grandmother in uh, the continuous continuity of the show another interesting character who was apparently like an old-time-ish inventor and she invented primitive texting exactly lol i kind of like how they bring that back later too because you know milo and zach offer to help and zach reaches into milo's backpack and pulls out the sign with the thumbs up well milo does have the gigantic o in his backpack so i mean it's it's not it's not unforeseen i like that zach knew it was in there could pull it out just quick enough to respond to Melissa. Yep, he always he always has, he knows the right thing to make that Melissa was funny. smile. <laughs> that was funny enough on its own, but imagine if he pulled out the wrong sign that said something kind of goofy. Well, that would that would be I like uh, in Actor Age when Phineas gives Isabella the wrong letter, and it's just yeah. <laughs> no. I was just saying he could pull out the wrong letter, but I'm like, he didn't pull out a letter before because like, I was like, hope oh, he could pull out the wrong letter and it's literally like the letter E or something. Yeah. Like maybe the finale of the show, everything in the title sequence that you're so used to happens completely differently, so it goes wrong. The sun is actually the moon in the daytime. Like, I don't know. We're going back I to like, changing the title sequence. I like how they go back to the whole naming everything in the town when they bring up how someone had bought the land for the clock and Milo's just like that land was called Reginald just like <laughs> yeah. inserts that just out of nowhere and also you know Perry falling into his lair and he's like hold on, hold on I gotta stop you there per Perry returns we haven't even addressed this yet for the first time oh, since yeah, the cause, crossover because I, I did bring up Perry coming in like calling it Steven. That's right, that's right, you did. Oh, Steven, so I'm like, I didn't even, like, make that, like, a big deal. I'm too busy focusing on the jokes. Yeah, you know you know, it's Milo Murphy's Law when Phineas and Ferb characters coming in isn't a big deal anymore. <laughs> you know it's I season like two when... 
I do like how he's scrunched down real small, though. Yeah, that was a really funny visual gag. I'm holding up the LOL sign. You just can't see it. They did really good with the Perry gags, and Major Monogram and Carl, too, were very funny to me. You know how I feel about something new. What about these glasses? Yeah, he's like, he doesn't like it. He's like, because he's wearing new glasses and he's freaking out. Not with those cheekbones. (laughs) That killed me. Carl, I wish he had more. We need Carl to have a spinoff show. Yeah, I know we want, like, a little less Phineas and Ferb in this, but I would not object to a little more Carl. Carl and Monogram were, like, the best part of A-G-E-N-T-D-O-G-E. I did like, I think I liked DOG a little bit more in that one. Yeah, but I I really liked their their banter. Anyways, we also get Doof singing Horse in a Bookcase again. I feel like the writers went into the season and they said, we just need to throw in as many Horse in a Bookcase references as we can. Yeah, it's like with DuckTales trying to throw in as many race cars, lasers, airplanes as I can. Exactly. Wait, has that been a thing? (laughs) They've been trying to add that in. Well, they don't say airplanes. They have to say aeroplanes. Oh, okay. I know there so was the, the one reference in The Last Crash yeah, of the Sun like, Chaser. If they, basically what it was is like anytime when someone says airplanes, they try to get it like aeroplanes. Gotcha. And then like if they can get the lasers in the race cars in there, they'll do that too. <laughs> Going back to the um thing where Perry shows up, basically. I like how he's like telling Perry... For apologizing to Perry because he couldn't hear him knocking over the music sting. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> Doof and his little fourth wall breaks. Sometimes he notices the things he's not supposed to. Sometimes he doesn't. So it's like, one time it's a thing, one time it's not. Yeah, the whole Doof, his whole explanation, it felt so good to see him introducing an innator again and explaining it to Perry. <laughs> Just like the, you can't touch it because, you know, it's, you got on your shoe, you can't touch it because it's been both inside someone's mouth and on the ground. That's like the two most disgusting places. That was absolutely fantastic. This is how Doof should be used, not Doof Stay Out, which I'll go back and rag on for, for so many things. They did it pretty decently in one other episode, but I think I'll save explaining that more until later because that's the episode we have not gotten to yet. All right, so we also have uh, Clyde Returns with Sid. Um, I was happy to see both of them. Sid has not yet become a part of the main plot, but I feel like they're bringing him back to become one. And I like how his immediate response to Milo and Zack is just just start juggling. That's that's like good old start... Sid. And in typical Murphy's Law fashion, he drops both of them. Donald didn't do much better. So uh, Sid apparently has feelings for old Bessie. He was like, I'm so happy, but I'll also be so sad when they take apart old Bessie. Like, whoa, 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 hold on. You're telling me... You have feelings for the clock? Is this is this like, it, it's a machine? Just like you like like what's going on here? Why is Sid sad about the clock? I just imagined he was sad because Melissa would be sad and they wanted help, but I did not think about that. I don't know because I mean he seemed he seemed really invested in the whole issue. He probably would feel bad if another machine got destroyed. That's true. Even if it was no longer working. So also Victor Verlizer. Somehow, okay, so we, we ended the last episode. His V-carts were taken away. He's left with absolutely no money. This episode, inexplicably, the V-carts come back, and he has enough money to buy the land and build an enormous V-clock. 
<laughs> I was like, the whole time I was like, how did you even do that? I don't know what he did. Exactly, and the, he's like, you see the day's newspaper, Victor Verlazer, scam, fraud, lies. <laughs> I don't know what he did at all. I do like when he comes in, though, Milo, just like, Victor Verlazer, you know, all serious, and then he goes to say Milo Murphy, and, you know, he cuts off against... I, what, what's your last name again? And, you know, he tells him it, and then he gets into the serious thing, like, Milo Murphy. Victor Verlazer is not as good with names as Milo is. Like, he, no. he, heard, he must have heard Milo's name at least six or seven times in, you know, the last episode. how could you episode. forget it with, like, I don't know who's ever I heard them say this, but how could you forget it with Murphy's Law? Exactly. But then, like, Milo hears Isabella's name one time in a conversation he wasn't even a part of. <laughs> the, the, the things about the crossover. I like how when Victor comes in, Sid's, like, hiding behind Clyde. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, I noticed that while watching through it again, and I was like, he's sitting back there hiding. That's kind of, that's like a nice little detail to me. At least, at least kinda, uh, Victor's kind of sad, given over his obsession with Sid. It's just a little, it's a little sad, but I do like that detail. Yeah. So, uh, also, Milo is apparently mad at squirrels when they take his tuna sandwiches. You stole my favorite line. <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna bring it up if you weren't because I loved that because it's not even make him mad. So the thing, one of the few things that really irritated him was the squirrels running off with this tuna sandwich because they don't even come across it in the wild. It's just really really weird that they want to take a sandwich. We need to have like a list of things that have made Milo mad so far: pistachios, his parents not wanting to do roller disco. Squirrels taking his tuna sandwich, Victor Verlazer. See, most of them are really bizarre things, and then you just have Victor Verlazer. <laughs> that won't make sense. He's, he's like the mo yeah, but he's like the most normal thing on that list. But I mean, this is a universe where squirrels are in people's pants, so. <laughs> and some timelines they can talk. Exactly. So I there was also the song, and I this was another song that I. I thought it was really, really good. The tick, tick, ticking away. I thought it was really catchy. And the whole montage scene done with it was... It was just so good. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really cute. Like, the whole thing. And then Milo swinging around. I think he was putting the glue on while the gears were getting put on. And, you know, it just gets tied around it. Yeah, and then there was also... Uh, there's one part where, like, Melissa and Zach are being juggled by Sid to put the glue on and then melissa gets stuck to the ceiling it's so funny the way they draw her 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 mouth is literally like just a dot and it's like the funniest I expression i know i love that and then zach <laughs> pretends to have a like a fake arm or pretends that his arm fell off <laughs> and he teases milo i love seeing zach do that you know he goofs around a lot but that's the first time he's ever done anything like that to milo usually he's messing with melissa yeah such a good friend dynamic there Okay, we talked about what Deuce plot was. I love when Melissa kind of comes up with a solution of what they need to do to get the clock working again. So she goes to get Deuce, and you come back to where Milo, Clyde, and Zach are, and you just hear Deuce shouting, I'm coming to help, I'm coming to help, and they're all looking one way, and like that's to be the idea that oh he's gonna come from there and then he bursts from the complete other side well if he had come I, in from the other side he would have broken the clock too 
I think it was funny, like, how they kind of made that, situated that way to make you think, oh, he's going to come through that side. Yeah. But he really would have messed a lot of things up at that point. It would have been so much worse. It's just that he did good this time. He did do good this time, and much better than in Do Stay Out when he just did bad, and they said it was yeah. good. <laughs> I was like, why, why did you have to end it that way? Um, so also... Um, I was amazed at how much gum keeps the world together on a daily basis. Like, just removing gum literally caused entire city streets to fall apart. Yeah, it makes sense. Some of the things that happen, I guess I think some of the gum must have been really stuck to the pavement because there were gaps in the pavement. He just needs to take that machine into public schools, or in public school buses. They always have so much gum. This is one of many things that will go over my head because I've never rode a bus before yeah public school buses public school desks they always have tons of gum underneath like people just think oh yeah i'll just always leave the gum here why not yeah doof remains completely oblivious to all the destruction that he's causing like he's just like sitting there like chilling listening to the background music since he apparently can hear that perry has to like jump up just to get him to realize everything he did yeah also we got this uh gem of a line when Doof ends up picking up Melissa because of there was gum on her shoe, he says, oh, hi, Milo's friend girl. He, like, could have worded that slightly different. And, you know, the Milo Lissa fans would have been so happy. Like, I'm sure even with this, they're happy, but they would have been so happy. They really would have. I, I, w- I would have been curious to see how Melissa would react. I don't know. It's hard to place her. She could re- react kind of calm. She could get a little bit. I don't know. It's really hard to say. Because, I mean, <laughs> like with, with Zach, how, she just ignored it. So, like... She's good at hiding how she feels in so many ways. I was going to say, I like how they're back in the clock. And, you know, Do showed up to help. And they all start counting. They're like, five, four, three. And Do's just like, why are we counting? <laughs> he doesn't get it. Well, to be fair, he, like, was barely brought into the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like, the very last, literally the last second. There's also this amazing scene, I think it's possibly another one of just the funniest ones this season, where Victor Verlezer is trying to take the parts for Clyde's clock, <laughs> and he, he talks to the guy, and then in the end, he's like, you know, I'm your brother-in-law, and he's like, David, is that you? And he's like, yeah, that's me, amazing, growth spurt at like the age of 30, and then he's like, see you at Christmas, and as he's driving away, he's like, who are Jewish? Like, he doesn't question anything. <laughs> that's, that's... <laughs> and that was, like, one background character that I don't think that was voiced by Dan or Swampy. So, plus bonus points. Just, I just like how he rolls with it. He doesn't question anything about it. I think, well, he questions very little bits. I think uh, Milo and Ko's uh, song, Just Getting Started song, Just Roll With It, has serendipitously spread throughout the entire town because everybody's just learning to go along with things as they are exactly even things they probably really should question especially when you see that newspaper roll up like that really should have tipped you off a little bit i also like how the very end of the episode they decide to do a little callback to a summer belongs to you joke where the airplane flies by except for this time flings Victor Verlizer over and you know he lands where they're at the substitute teachers are having a discussion 
and he's on the gum. The guy's just like, I hope you brought enough for everyone. And he's just like, I did. There's definitely plenty. I don't know if you want to touch it, like Doof said. I was going to say, I like that their actual substitute teacher was there. Yeah, Miss Baxter, back from season one. And they also had Candace's science teacher from the Candace Party song, somebody who only ever showed up once. And yet we get another Phineas and Ferb character appearing in Milo Murphy's Law. I like it when they bring even smaller characters like that back. Such a nice callback to Phineas and Ferb. Like, if you if you understand every aspect of that joke, the substitute teacher from season one, the science teacher from Candace Party, the whole setup of the substitute science teacher convention from Summer Belongs to You, it's just so stinking hilarious. <laughs> this I think it's funny because I just thought of this, bringing up the substitute teacher. She got more screen time and she got to talk more than one of their teachers who's there all, all the time. Yeah, well, they did bring in a guest star to voice her, so they wanted to make sure they got their mileage. Well, okay, one thing about this episode to me is, other than some of the goofy and fun little moments, plus a song from Milo, Melissa, and Zach's part of the story, and I guess just like Klein and Sid's too, I think other than that, Doof's plot was a little bit more fun. It really Which was. Which is not, that, that doesn't happen a lot with this show. So I think that says a lot for this episode. I think the whole thing, it was very, like, it was very well put together. All the plots got a decent amount of time. The jokes hit really well. The song was really good. Doof wasn't super annoying. And Perry's return was very fun. And, you know, this is probably the first time they've had it. A Doof plot actually lived up to a cabinition to go to plot. I'd say yeah, especially when you go to Doof's whole intro where he's introducing his innator. Like that, that's classic Doof. That's what we know and love. And that, that was great. Yeah, I think that was one of his best moments. And of course, you know, this episode hit horse in a bookcase. So how could it fail? Uh, Next up, we're going to jump into Managing Murphy's Law, which I am very excited for. Because this is a really, really good episode. Yeah, you know, and 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 Milo and Amanda. (laughs) Yes, Milo and Amanda. <laughs> you brought this up once before, but the first thing in the episode, the first thing you hear is the, and that's why I wear sweater vests. The line that will forever make me curious every time I hear it, because I want to know the earlier half of that sentence. You know, I think we get it in the opening title sequence. Look at my sweater vest. I look so fly. He wears it to look fly. But saying the word fly makes him sound like he's from the 70s. So Melissa's like, I don't even know you anymore. Because nobody uses the word fly in 2018. Yeah, because, okay, so it's been, like, right staring us in the face the whole time. I think so. We've known the answer since day one. We just didn't know we knew the answer. Exactly. I mean, it was such a weird line in the title sequence, too. Because now I've listened to it so many times, I don't even think about the lyrics anymore. But, like, when I would show people it for the first time, they're almost like, oh, my gosh, like, he's so fly. What even is this show? The first time I heard it, I just smiled because I thought it was so funny. Like, he thinks he's, you know, in his mind, he's just being cool. Exactly. But back to their discussion in the beginning. Like, you know how Zach's trying to figure out a new band name? Because he doesn't want to just leave it as just getting started because, you know, it's a mistake. Melissa's first dis- suggestion, she's just like, Melissa and the Who Cares, who else is? She's, like, very humble. Oh, yeah, her her humbleness just, just stretches 
Miles. You know, she only wants to be queen of the universe. Mm-hmm. It's not that much to ask for. But, like, also going back to... Or, no, not going back to. This is the first time we've gotten to this. But going to, like, Cavendish and Dakota, like, first thing we see of them, we get Slushy Dog. And, you know, that I had already seen a little bit of that before I got into the episode. But even then, I thought it was nice to see that. Because it's one of the more subtle Phineas and Ferb things, I guess you could say. So, seeing that was just nice to me. Yeah, it's nice to know that the Phineas and Ferb brands are inner interspersed with the Milo Murphy's Law brands. That's like one of the connections you can't really go wrong with because it's the same universe. Why would you not have some of the same restaurants? Head Cannon, Mr. Slushy Dog, probably has little Dr. Zone Files plastic toys in its kid meals. How how many kids meals do you think Cavendish and Dakota have gotten those in? <laughs> probably way too many. I hope they share something with, like, Milo and Sarah, that they'll appreciate it. Yeah, well, you see Dakota reading the Doctor's Own Files files in the World Without Milo episode. So you know oh, yeah. you know he's a fan. So I can only imagine Dakota having, like, a little collection of all the figures at home. It was exciting for Cavendish, the whole Professor Time thing, but it was probably even more exciting for Dakota, because he's like, I inspired one of the characters. Like, I am actually a character in this show. Because that's, if you're a fan of something, that's a big, that would be a big dream. Because they're like, I get, I got to inspire a character that I wasn't even a fan of when it came to be. But now I am. And and, and now I have a toy. Yeah, it's, a, it's like this whole time travel mess created this thing. And now I'm a character. Exactly. In a fictional show. Um, so Amanda's the new band manager. What, what do you think? What do you think about that? Why, why did she choose to become the band manager? Let's let's be honest here. Probably partially because she wanted more of an opportunity to hang around with Milo. Yeah. I feel. That yeah. That maybe that's just, that really makes maybe the most just, sense. That's probably that might just be the chipper in me. I mean, I don't I don't know anybody who voluntarily signs up to do volunteer work, and there's like there's there's not. I mean, some people out of the goodness of their hearts can do that but for most people there's got to be an ulterior motivation yeah and she likes organizing and she's really good at it but i think it's like a combination of the two because she gets like her ultimate challenge managing this whole thing and trying to keep everything in order and then she gets to be around milo so you know it's like two of her favorite things come together exactly well i look back at cake explosion and it's like she bakes that cupcake every morning because she's worried if she meets like Basil Bravo, that she'll need to like impress him. So it's she's, like everything she does is just like so calculated in her mind. She's very prepared, and you know she's not gonna always get right with my, Murphy's Law and when it does, but she's got backup plans. Yeah. This is also the first time I really saw the payoff for her using the phone in the title sequence. That was never really a big deal in any of the previous Amanda episodes. Yeah, because. It's, it's definitely very helpful in this. I know one of your favorite lines, or one of your favorite parts with the phone. Yes. Amanda texted us. Um, I, I can't even imagine, like, how the conversations would go, because Amanda and Cavendish seem like they'd be two very interesting characters to have interact. Like, you know, that's a very, very basic one. That's going to be a very basic text, probably. But other than that, 
especially the way he was acting there. I was just say it probably would have been pretty, pretty goofy. Yeah, I was gonna. Uh, so this is actually fits in with the continuity from Picture Day. In Picture Day, Chad accidentally takes a picture of Milo on his phone, and Cavendish picks up that phone. But then you know Cavendish gets, um, Cavendish ends up with Chad's phone, and a man, er, and then Chad ends up with. Um, the picture of the Yeti, right? So Amanda just says, mm -hmm. quick, send me the picture. He presses send and it's one button. So apparently Cavendish's phone has Amanda on speed dial because he was just able to text her that picture with, with, one, with one push. He didn't have to type so, in her number. Yeah, he already had Amanda's number. So who knows how long Cavendish and Amanda have been friends. Well, now that's really, like, really interesting to think about. Or it could just be a little cartoon thing where they didn't want to have him push all the numbers in her phone number. But you know, I'll dig deeper. I, li I like you. I like your idea better <laughs> because that has more potential for discussing the characters. More continuity. Mhm. Mm Forget the llamas, save the alpacas. Also, like how you know when she's trying to get them to do band practice towards the beginning, we're just running all over the place right now with this. Like, there's no order. <laughs> Amanda would hate us right now. <laughs> Different um, colored balloons. I like how, you know, after everything kind of goes wrong with their first practice attempt, and they float over on the raft, Mort's trying to say maybe the universe is trying to tell them something, and Amanda's just like, yes, telling you to listen to your band manager, and Zach just falling out of the raft. <laughs> gets me, like, every time because of I don't know why it's so funny to me, but it is. And then they bother to show us Milo helping Zach up, which is just like, yes, friendship. Friendship goals. I like that they take time to do simple things like that. Also, um, Melissa, she, she makes a pun towards the beginning. She says, again, we're jumping all over, but she's like, Zach, when Zach's like, we need a band name, she's like, well, we are just getting started. I was like, Melissa, what are you doing? You're out of character. You're stealing Zach's thing. That, that's a Zach thing to say. Yeah. He's rubbing okay, off on her. I think we said this once before, but like when Zach's unable to make puns, when Zach doesn't make puns, Melissa feels the need to fill his shoes. She's like, someone's gonna make, someone's gonna make the bad puns. It's funny. Then they take turns making the puns. Okay, this is. A very, this is like so much like my brother here. Dakota's line where he's just like, I don't know if you can take my order, you can borrow, but you can borrow his. That is totally my brother because that is the kind of joke he would make. He's the other one who took some of Zach's jokes. You yeah. know, he usually does this anyways. Yeah, no, I, that that's a that's a solid joke to make when you're in the drive-through. Hello, may I take your order? I don't know if you can take my order, but you can borrow it. It would be great if you could go up to a drive-thru and say that and see if... They probably won't, because there's not a lot of fans, but it's to see if someone will understand the reference. I would have when I worked at Chick-fil-A. Now I don't work there anymore, so I can't do that. But I, I totally would have. Nobody ever said that. I could not do that unfortunately i wish i could <laughs> another thing in public school because this is going to just be a theme people would always ask hey can i borrow a piece of paper 
like when you're out of paper in class or like and it's like well i don't know if you can borrow a piece of paper but you can have it because like if you borrowed a piece of paper to do your assignment you would do the assignment turn it in and then when you got it back you just have to give the used piece of paper back to the person so it made no sense to borrow a piece of paper and so people I'm, always made fun of that yeah that would make sense fun of. i would be like it would be a little bit weird about people taking paper from me because it's paper I could doodle on. I want to help you, but I also really want to doodle on this paper. <laughs> it, it helps <laughs> keep me focused. It controls. It can contributes to my self uh, self worth consciousness. Add the desire to fill it with pictures of characters just playing in the snow is so strong. You don't understand. <laughs> uh, I also like it in that, like, really close to that, around the time of Kevin Ishinokota, basically, Jeremy actually gradually getting more and more frustrated. It was nice because he's always so calm and relaxed, and in this, you get to see him getting a little bit more irritated every single time, which is, like, they kind of added more, I guess you could say, in that short time he's been in there, more to his character. Yeah, that was really fun. So I just wanted to talk about, first of all, they didn't make a huge deal about it being Jeremy, which I thought was nice. It was like a subtle cameo. But also, let's talk about Cavendish and Dakota's plan. So they, they're there to meet the employee who reported it, Jeremy Johnson, and talk to him, right? So their plan they, is not to go inside, order food, and, you know, ask a manager. Their plan is to go yeah. through the drive through order food, go around, then go inside. <laughs> I'm just like, Cavendish and Dakota, <laughs> why? That... That that's them. They do not always think things through. I love it. One of the times after going by, and you know it cuts to them doing something else weird, random. This is my absolute favorite one of these. Aside from maybe the very last one, this one might pass a little bit. But them just riding up real slow on the scooters with like, I think you call them pool noodles, and like, it gets so close that it just touches, and then they're just like, kind of confused and stuff. Did you realize? when they're like the oh come on when they open their mouths Cavendish's moves you know it, it's like like he's saying it but Dakota's just hangs open and oh, then closes them <laughs> I don't know how he did that but I thought it was funny we've we've talked about all this and we haven't even gotten to the introduction of the aliens yet so this is the first no, episode with aliens I think it's funny as that is literally, like, one of the first few things on the list. I'm, like, just picking and choosing little places. Because I'm, like, there's so much. There really was I like how, so much in this episode. So, uh, sorry, go ahead. I was like, in the beginning, like, when you do see them, the alien commander saying how she hadn't seen a build-up of negative probability guidance like that since, since she just trails off kind of giving you something to guess on that you don't know is that really going to be a continuation or is that just going to be yes it is and it frustrates me because i hate lines like that because i want to know it's like you had to just kind of trail off into that it's like you know you're teasing fans watching this show i, I know like, josh has something in mind the, the writing team they know exactly what the end of that sentence is but they're never going to tell us until the time is right. Until it comes, yeah, until it comes out into the show. Exactly. So, that's just something. Uh, you could say Sheriff Murphy if he was the first one. You could say the aliens were on Earth. Like, 
It could be. You could say that was why maybe all the time travel ships got stuck in the Old West because the aliens made them stop there. That would be a rather lackluster explanation. I kind of like the idea that Murphy's Law got him stuck. Yeah, me too. And just being literally a time travel Bermuda Triangle. It's interesting. The other there was this other line at the beginning where he just says, "We are doing our routine scan of the planet." So apparently, the aliens routinely just scan the Earth. So what is their mo? What's their motivation to be here? How have they? If like the the usual scan, it's kind of surprising that they've never seen Milo before. My guess is they only do the routine scan every fourteen years. That explains why we didn't see them in Phineas and Ferb. Yeah. That could be the case, and maybe they don't even realize it's been that long. Because may- maybe, you know, they're off in space. Maybe but, it feels different for them. But there's so many Murphys. Like, you'd think they would notice that high negativity, negative probability ion buildup at some point with another Murphy. But that- no, it takes, mm-hmm. um, takes a baseball hitting their ship <laughs> to notice it. Maybe we just need, we just need a scene later in the season where... The, all the Murphys are captured by the aliens, and they're like, uh, the aliens, they go over and it's like, negative probability, negative probability. I'm telling you, I don't have it. Negative probability. <laughs> it would be great to see Nate again. I hope he's not like a one-time character. I really hope we get to see the Murphy family again. Um, I like how when they get to the point, you know, they're actually on their way to perform. And Amanda comes in to tell him you're on five, just getting started. And Milo's just like, you know, I like it when she says it better. Cause like, it's just cute to me. Yeah. They had like so many cute moments. They did. This was Josh. Uh, I think he said on Twitter he really fought for a lot of the cutesy moments in this episode. And I'm glad he did because those were so satisfying. They really were. So um, we also got. Uh, a little bit of world building we with the Harry Hamster Arcade and the arcade game Man Pack I don't want to say it's Mac Pan. We're literally on the on the thing. There's pans of mac and cheese. How did I miss that? <laughs> like I watched that and I've never noticed what was on the game. Yeah, and all the little games in the background, they're all like little visual puns. Okay, I need to go back and look through that. And I feel like Harry Hamster is a reference to something that I'm missing. Maybe the idea, and I think this is still a joke, but it's really hard to tell with them. Maybe the idea that, I think Miss Josh said, Melissa was going to have a guinea pig nemesis at one point or something like that. Did he say that? Someone said that. And I'm like 90% sure it was a joke, but it's so hard to tell with them because they have done things like that before. Exactly. So, Sad we didn't get to see a guinea pig in it. Yeah. One other thing I had noted, there's there's this interesting thing. So Dakota, like, every time he goes to the drive-thru, he doesn't feel hungry. Like, there's no side effects of him eating all the fast food. But then on the last time through, he's like, oh, did I eat fish sandwiches? What's this taste in my mouth? Like, does he does he remember? Like, I don't know about you, but if I'd eaten 79 hot, hot dogs, I'm pretty sure I would feel just a little bit full. Yeah, but, like, you you taste the fish in your mouth. That's not a good aftertaste to him. No, but I'm it was just saying that, like it was that bad. Like you, why is the taste remembered, but not like the fullness of the stomach? It was only like a couple hours. He ate basically everything in the entire store. 
I have no clue. It's Dakota. <laughs> Maybe Cavendish ate some of it too. I'm sure he probably did. Maybe he actually ate more than Dakota did, surprisingly. It'll be funny. We see the next episode, Cavendish is like a little bump on his stomach. I like how when we go back again to, you know, Milo, Melissa, Amanda, and all of them. Um, Murphy's Milo lawyers. Milo actually, yes, Milo actually kind of starts to doubt, like a little bit, get a little bit kind of cautious and, you know, when he does that, Amanda's, like, using him as an inspiration to kind of pull him back into the, you know, pull him back into his usual self. I know, what a twist. It's like, I was, I was grinning. I was grinning so wide. Because <laughs> that made me so happy. And, like, it, you know, it keeps going. I know, we get song, so much character development, too. The song comes on, too. And I'm like... Oh, you mean everything's better with Perry with the ponies? Clearly. No, 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 like their song. Yeah. Oh, you're joking. You are joking again. Hi. Okay, but this when the song comes on, like hearing it in Spanish, because, you know, I heard it in Spanish first, that was great. Then I heard it in English, and I, you know, getting to actually understand it, I liked it even more. And I was just, everything about it, like the animation, the camera angles, and all the turning, and I'm like, this is stuff that's so hard to do because I've tried to do it and this is all so cool. Trying to draw Zach in like that succession of perspectives as it does like the mm -hmm. 360 degree shot. Yeah. Are you going to try and do a redraw of that? A I don't know. Animatic? I kind of want to do, I want to do more things like that because I want to get better at that. But Perspective drawing I, I think is one of the hardest things because you always have to figure out where the camera is and like. And how to get it to turn fluently. Well, and then you also have to deal with the background and the foreground mm -hmm. elements and how those interact. Like, there was one where it's, like, a flyover of the stage, and they made sure to put, like, the stage bar just in front at the top of the shot, and I was like, oh, you're actually keeping continuity with the environment. Is that That is hard, because I am trying so hard now to get backgrounds into my things and just realizing even more than I already did how difficult that is. Trying to keep a consistent style. If you ever watch, like, old cartoons, you can, you can always tell when anything is going to be moving in the scene, like... If you see, like, an old Scooby-Doo episode, like, there's one book in the bookcase that's a different color. And, of course, that's it's usually the one the character... It's usually, like, brighter. Yeah, it's it, usually brighter exactly. and everything else kind of dark. But we've come such a long way with animation. Like, Milo Murphy's Law, I can't tell, you know, when something's going to move or not. Which uh, which says a lot for the animation of the show. Yeah, I think they've had their moments where there have been things, but there's always going to be moments like that. Yeah. Okay, can we talk about, like, one of the best milo and amanda scenes not yet we still have because other things to talk about in this episode we well, do we'll push that until the end so just just little observations <laughs> um yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna sink down there is lydia has become a band tag along apparently she just tags along with the band now which is a way to give allison stoner a bit more to do since uh we haven't seen chris hashtag justice for chris <laughs> I don't know. I kind of like Lydia as a character, but she's not one of like one of my favorite background characters so far. Yeah, she's she's just a, a mindless slave to Amanda, essentially. Maybe that's one of the reasons I don't like seeing her as much. I don't know. I don't even like to think of it that way. <laughs> I just mindlessly followed her without. It goes back to the sheep mentality from Clockwork Origin. We also have. I, I briefly brought up the dancing ponies. But Martin gets a little bit more sarcasm. 
He was like, I'm going to stay right here with the ponies on my roof. Like, he's just like, <laughs> what has my life become? There's just dancing ponies on my roof. He's done, but used to it. Yeah. Um, like, ever since Doof showed up, he's been getting more, <laughs> more sarcastic. More sarcastic, yes, and I love that. No, Doof. It's lemonade. Are you sure? It, it tastes like shampoo. No, I love that. And then also, uh, Cavendish's hat continues to defy gravity in the circus scene. Cavendish is upside down and his hat is just staying on just like it was when they went bungee jumping back in Perchance to Sleepwalk. It just, it doesn't leave his head. That is something that I really should have noticed because I did not. <laughs> I noticed Dakota's mouth not moving, but I did not even acknowledge that. Yeah, Cavendish's hat just loves to defy gravity. Um, also, Cavendish and Dakota got training with Bob Block, apparently. They went through mm -hmm. training classes off-screen that we didn't see. No, it's tough to think about it first because you think, how did that work? And then you realize they probably did that after they were fired because they didn't know about Block at first. So it happened somewhere within the past couple episodes. But um, Nobody Cares Jim also briefly returns as his police officer character when he's arresting somebody in the training video. It's nice to see him again. Yeah, like, when was the last time we saw him before that? I want to say it was the Isle of Lost Dakotas when he's taking the megaphone away from the mayor. I was going to say, do we even see him this season other than that? I, I don't think so. Well, now we need Jim back because I do care. Exactly. We, we care about Jim. Jim Bernstein. Just, I know I'm, I'm, I'm stalling because you're so excited to get to the last part, but um, could the time erase ray, or not the time, but the memory erase ray, be the key to the big uh, episode event of the year? Because there's this whole thing he talks about how aliens use it to wipe memories so that you don't remember them. And to me that sounds incredibly suspicious that they would set up something like that as we're getting super close to a big 45-minute event. So I have to be worried that they're going to forget that's some what I'm really thinking. important things because that's going to upset me. Don't make it like... Um, and it was, fine in the, it was fine in the movie, but don't make it like the end of a cross second dimension, please. <laughs> like, we've had so much build-up, so please don't make it like that. The last 30 minutes of the movie is just us watching whatever they do crazy from the getting hit with the... The, the ray. Okay, did you see the deleted, like a deleted scene for um, Across the Second Dimension? I think I've seen most of them. Okay, because I was like, there's this one where they like fire the ray and then they all come, you know, they're like, they're back in the lair and they're just like, why is Perry wearing a hat and stuff like that? And Major Miner's just like, oh, for crying out loud, would you go hide somewhere Agent P. I love that scene, but I'm, I'm glad they didn't include it because it would have killed yeah. the emotional core of the ending. Yeah, but I'm glad we got to see it like animated elsewhere. Yeah, that was one word. I'm like, I'm glad. I'm just glad they didn't include it because if they had done that, you would have lost the impact of the emotional moment coming yeah. off of Phineas and Isabella, which transitioned into Perry's love for Phineas and Ferb and their adventures with that, that song. That was definitely a good cut. I just like seeing it. Yeah. Either way. I mean, it was a so, funny joke. It was. 
Okay, so where are we now? Because I have to ask. Oh, okay, so how about the Lizards of No Way? <laughs> I just thought that was a funny line from Melissa. <laughs> Her sarcasm. She is like... She's just... She's not having any of those names. She does not support any of these ideas. Well, the one makes Mort mad when he's like the Sonic 3. Yeah. <laughs> Mort's like, uh, excuse me. She's just... Melissa's just mad because she's not getting um, Melissa and the who cares what else is or who else is. Exactly. She's just very upset about that. Um, so uh, Cavendish and Dakota stole music equipment and are being chased by the cops. They are now officially wanted criminals. <laughs> and also, they're probably they probably um are adding that to like their performance in the future because you know. This is coming off way messier than I meant, but <laughs> the whole Dakota being a singer and everything. So that, that I hope they did pay for that, but like they said, I hope they did pay for that, but maybe that's going towards that. I'm pretty sure not, though, because we see the cops chasing them near the end of the episode as they go towards the concert. And then when you, first, when you first cut, their car is crashed. With, like, a huge dent in the front, in the bushes, and the cops are driving by. Maybe they're using, like, maybe they can use the musical instruments to do something with, like, like the aliens, because I think Do figured out that music has an effect on aliens. Oh, that'd be fun if they brought that back. Maybe that's the key to the end of the special. Doof gets his guitar, and the aliens suddenly, like, become mind-controlled. Like, oh, oh, there's a precedent for that in the... The alien, the alien planet from Mindshare, they're controlled by square dancing music. Yeah, that? so they, and yeah, they, there's like this whole big thing with music. So maybe that's why, this is like, this is like our ridiculous rumors right now. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's why Cavendish and Dakota got all those instruments. Like it's, they don't know it, but it's going to continue into that and somehow. That would make so much sense just because... With, with Doof calling the aliens from the guitar, which he also learned from Jeremy, to bring Jeremy back. We're going to get this whole big musical number between, like, all the characters. Can, can I say how much I want Alien Commander to sing? Like Maybe she'll maybe she'll be a part of it. Like, give me a villain musical number, Dan and Swampy. Come on. We, we, we love our villain musical numbers. If she is the villain. Maybe Bob Block is going to have a musical number. I would be very interested to hear that. Can Mark Hamill sing? I don't think he can. I've never... He might have. I just haven't I seen all this know. stuff. They might have got... They might have to get him, like, another... Singer. Well, that's what they do for Zach with, uh... Aaron Daniel Jacob. So, the last thing. The last thing before we can move on to... Uh, the last two things. One... With the return of Hamasaur, and he gets obliterated once again. You were like, the last thing, I'm like, oh. And you are like, before we get to and I'm like, oh. And you are like, the last two things, I'm like, oh. <laughs> but Hamasaur, he like, just can't catch going a break. No, he can't. Which is really sad. There's not really a whole lot more to say about that. But also, this uh, episode did an amazing job with balancing an absolutely gigantic cast. You had Cavendish, Dakota, Jeremy, Milo, Melissa, Zach, Lydia, Chad, Mort. You had Bob Block. You had um, 
Why is the, the other? The alien commander and then... Yeah, alien commander, alien pilot. Bridget yeah. and Martin Murphy were both in it. Like, Did you say Amanda already? I think I did. Okay, I was like, I don't think I heard Amanda. But even then, like, there was just so much going on in this episode. It's amazing that it was as good as it was. It could have easily become overcrowded. I never thought about how many characters were there, there were, but yeah. They were able to balance an episode with that many characters in, like, 11 minutes better than they kind of did with the crossover, which was a really long episode. That was an extended episode. Exactly. I think we needed this kind of storytelling in the crossover as far as managing characters. Um, so... See that about, did you, okay, that was, was a joke, right? What? Was that a joke? The managing part? Yeah. It wasn't intended to be a joke, but now you okay. made me feel smarter for <laughs> saying it was a joke. I was like, wait, did I finally catch a joke? Maybe that's why it was managing Murphy's Law, because they had to manage so many characters. Yeah. See, now now I feel dumb that I didn't make that joke. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna feel dumb if I worded it any other way like I was guessing or making it into a joke when it was already intended to be so it's like oh wait it is a joke just jump right into it like it's a joke and then it wasn't that should so be the episode know. title what is a joke can we understand what a joke is so um we talked about pretty much uh, most most things in this episode was was there anything else that you wanted to, to bring up Yes. <laughs> you know the answer to that. It's like the best part of the whole thing. Being like we're on the conclusion. Like, oh yeah, you know, the fireworks yeah. show. They were really well animated. Alright guys, the show's over. <laughs> <laughs> you, are, you are like <laughs> really trying, really trying I mean, to I can test. steal your thunder and bring it up right now. <laughs> we can cut that and I can explain it. But to, after they finish the song, they finish the song. My hair's a mess. They finish the song, and it shows Milo approaching Amanda, and you know, he's asking how she likes being a band manager, and she's saying it's a lot tougher than she imagined, and you know, she adds the line to Milo that you're worth it, and she comes up to the stairs, and she like says how. Um, she says how they're just getting started. Of course, they had to put that in there. And then she she just kisses them on the cheek. And you know, I can tell you, I didn't scream any at all on Kick Explosion, and I didn't scream this time, but I was definitely squealing. Yeah. Just a little bit. And like I watched again with my siblings, and Lauren was in there, and I looked over at her and just did this little laugh, and she, she's just like, "Shut up!" She's like, "You're." dork because i do that to her all the time when she goes on about her is we just play back and forth with it yeah it's it's just one of those things it just it just made my heart swell up it was like oh now milo do something make a move and you know he's just he just smiles he like just smiles and blushes little smile i just think it's so funny that he was the one who like kept pushing to you know talk to amanda at the beginning of the show and now he's just left speechless because he, like, he tries to interact with her, but he doesn't want to push too far. So when she actually is the one... Pushing for him. him. Yeah, yeah, the, the other, like, that caught him off guard. So he's, he doesn't know how to respond. And that's, that. yeah, that was definitely... That was an amazing part of the episode. And then you get, like, right after that, you, of course, 
very important part of the episode, you get the alien plot build up even more. We'll be back, Milo Murphy. Still a very questioning character. What? Is she good? Questionable character. Yeah. Is she bad? Is she misunderstood? Is she going to be living with the Murphy family next season? I really hope it's just visiting. <laughs> like, just drop in every once in a while. Maybe it's every season now we'll have a different character visiting the Murphy household per season. Next year it'll just be like King Pistachion and the Murphy family. That would probably be the weirdest one. <laughs> I'd be down for hearing... Oh, I sometimes get his name wrong. I hope I'm right here. Um, Reese Darby? Yes. I think it's how I... Okay, good. Because I used to say it wrong. It's either Reese or Rice. Yeah, I, somewhere there. I hope I'm saying it right. Yeah. But it, I'd be interested to hear his voice again because I always like hearing his voice. He has such a very unique voice. Yeah, there's uh, Milo. They'll be back for Milo Murphy. Amanda texted us. That could be another title for the episode. Amanda texted us. The only reason we put together this episode was because Amanda told us how to organize it. We completely fail at following her organizational skills. I'm already writing the description as we're going. Uh, she's severely disappointed in us right now. Very much so. So I did remember one thing. Candace was originally supposed to be in Managing Murphy's Law. Yes, I heard that. And I don't know how I feel about her being cut from it. She was going to have only two lines. And the theory from the show Must Go Wrong is that that was how Jeremy found out about the machine having the weird leakage. Like Candace came through the drive-thru or whatever, and then she went like totally crazy. And so Jeremy's like, okay, what is this thing? And, you know, that's how he figured out that he needed to call PIG. I wonder how he found out about them. Yeah, if they're a secret organization. Well, no, they were on the internet because Dakota looked them up, so. It, ju it did seem a little, like, it's just something that makes me curious. It's not as secretive as, like, the Men in Black, but, like, it's like, call us if, you know, there's an alien report or whatever. Or, like, the Bureau of Time Travel, even though Cavendish and Dakota aren't very secretive about the whole thing themselves. They, like, blurt out everything. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's okay, it doesn't matter, but it probably really does. It's just, I love how quickly they're to tell Milo that we're time travelers. So now we're going to move on to ridiculous rumors. And I'm going to start out by saying something that's not a rumor. The reason why parking tickets exist is because of all the time machines Dakota's left in different time periods. Uh, Joshua Perrette confirmed this on Twitter recently. How recently? Because I feel like I've seen this, but I also feel like I missed it. It was maybe three, four weeks ago. You know, we forgot about it. I forgot about it. You forgot about it. We forgot about it. I just repeated the entire thing all over again. <laughs> uh, somehow you've lost me even more. <laughs> so no, like I don't know. But like Josh, he, he just mentioned it after somebody asked, like, is there anything else you can tell us like about Cavendish and Dakota? Or, like, he was like, what happens to all of the cars that Dakota leaves in all the time periods? Oh, yeah, I think I remember that a little bit more now. Yeah. I always look forward to seeing his answers to those different little things. Because, you know, they're not always even important to the story. They're just random little bits of trivia. I also asked him this week if, because in the Dr. Zone files opening, or in the little scene that we get in the episode of the Dr. Zone files, the big reveal is that Dr. Zone and Time Ape are brothers. And we learn in Fungus Among Us that the inspiration for Dr. Zone and Time Ape 
was Cavendish and Dakota. So, our Cavendish and Dakota brothers, was that part of the inspiration for their characters? Or is that like going to be a big twist? And he said, our headcanons may diverge at this point. So I think he was insinuating that they weren't actually brothers, but he could just be trying to throw us off. Or who knows? Yeah, it's hard to place things like that. I still hold strongly to the idea that, you know, they're not really related, but they kind of just have this family bond, like Cavendish thinks that he's like, and I've heard someone say Swampy himself thought this, but you know, you don't always know for sure. Yeah, like that one but guy who said Dan and Swampy endorsed him, and like Dan and Swampy came out on Twitter, they're like, we don't know this guy, <laughs> stay away from him. But... Basically, it was like Cavendish is like thinking of himself as like he's the father and Dakota's like the kid. Like he's, in a sense, his son. Like See, just back to school night. Yeah. That's, that's one of the things that added to it to me. Yeah. That seems like a, generally where they're going with the character. Have I ever brought up connections between like Cavendish and Dakota and Milo, Melissa, and Zach? Please share. Because I was like, I don't know if it could be true, and it might be a little far-fetched, but I was thinking, Cavendish could potentially be a descendant of a Murphy, maybe on, like, from, like, descending from Sarah specifically somewhere, and then, like, maybe Dakota somewhere from, like, Melissa and Zach. Yeah. Because something about that just seems right to me. Because, you know, obviously, they could look quite a bit different, because that's a lot between Milo, Sarah, and Cavendish, and then, like, Melissa, and Zach, and Dakota. There's a lot between Mr. and Mrs. Murphy and Sarah. <laughs> but, like, you have it where, like, I, I, this is, again, far-fetched. The, the, like, this is ridiculous rumors. Dakota. Yeah, it's, it is ridiculous rumors. <laughs> the curls Dakota has. Just, I can't help but think maybe Melissa, I don't know. Like, that's a really long time to it passed down curls but it, it, it's not I'm it, like it's it's about as equally likely as you know orton being melissa's father <laughs> but then there's like i i just compare sarah and cavendish like eye color i see what you're saying that makes sense so it's like just a potential thing and also all the bad things that happen to cavendish in undiscussed version or un like it's not clarified it's Murphy's Law, it just all this bad stuff happens, and it could be Murphy's Law, but never explained. Like, no one ever knows it. They just assume things go wrong all the time. Around Cavendish. Especially since, you know, Cavendish always seems to be so accident-prone with his thousands of deaths. Also, Dakota... This is way, way, way far-fetched. Just, Dakota's got Zach's thing for puns. That's true, he does. And I guess Are you saying Dakota is the child of Melissa? Why does that make so much sense? No, I wasn't saying the child. I was just like he's he's the long lost descendant of Melissa and Zach. That yeah, makes that makes too much sense. Even his skin tone matches like right in between. That's one thing I thought too. Like he and you know, <sighs> if he does have like one brown and one blue eye, like some people think, Zach brown eyes, Melissa blue eyes. I think I think that's a bit. I think that's just an animation error in a couple yeah. of spots. I just, I'm not against the theory. I'm not for the theory. I'm just like neutral. Okay. 
it's it's there maybe we don't know <laughs> just like the uh the octopus guy from the doctor's own files opening who kind of looks like uh alien commander I, we need a name for her why haven't we learned her name yet I hope we get to some point. It's not like she remains alien commander and, like, it, there's the alien pilot and that's all. Well, the problem is, like, jo- think... jo- Joanna Hausman, the lady who plays alien commander, in her Twitter bio it says alien commander on Disney. So either that I... means that's her official name or there's a big reveal coming that she can't spoil. That's that's what I'm theorizing. I think Joshua Pruitt said some of them had names, didn't he? He did, but the only copies I've seen of Sick Day so far, that that part of the credit with their names is like too blurry for me to read. Okay. Because I was like, I thought I heard that. I wish I wish yeah. I could read it, but I can't. This is about your ridiculous rumors, I feel like it's ridic- really ridiculous on my part. I never shared those ones at first because I thought they were so ridiculous. That's the point of the segment, though. <laughs> Because it was like, oh, people are gonna be like, that. That's that's silly. And and the Mildred Baloney romance isn't uh, isn't far fetched. <laughs> no, it's not. As <laughs> it's not as far fetched. Like this is, fam, like family. This is like a family tree. That's way more far fetched <laughs> than the possibility of I think it was a milk carton in a balloon, getting together. <laughs> and an ice cream machine saving. A kid who's part plant in an octopus costume. Not, not nearly as far-fetched. What do you think about uh, the baby Bradley images that we saw? Um, as or at least as one of the stills. I've drawn a picture of it. I think I like it. <laughs> he looks so yeah. upset. Yeah, he does. I'm like super curious, and also like it, that episode is gonna make me feel bad for him. <laughs> Was he missing his front teeth? Uh, I don't remember. I'm trying to think, because I, I, know, I know Melissa's missing her front teeth, so what if they got both. hit by pop flies in the same game, and that's like they're bonding? They're both missing their two front teeth. Both of the pictures I drew, his mouth are closed. Gotcha. So at least I think. That episode, I hope, is a really Bradley-centered one, because obviously it's got some of it. But we are in season two now, and we've not had one. And I'm fine with the way the show's going. I just really do want. Is it time Bradley. travel, or is it an age regressor ray, or just a flashback? Oh, that would be disappointing. I mean, no, no. <laughs> it looks like one because you even have, like Melissa saying, and I assume she's talking to Milo. Like they show you saw the script. Oh, and you see and Doof she... there too, though. Doof is in the script. Was he? Yeah. Okay, I didn't remember that part. I mean, granted, it could be like Doof interrupting the flashback like he did in Disco Do-Over. He's like, really, Martin? You and me? I have no recollection. So we get Bradley, I guess, venting to Doofenshmirtz? I don't know. That's That may be my favorite theory we've gotten so far. Bradley and Doofenshmirtz interacting. I wonder how that would go. I feel like Bradley would, like, open up and confess his feelings, and Doof would just be like, what'd you say? And then he just, like, kind of, you know what, never mind. And he moves on, and maybe Doof won't be too big a focus in that episode. Maybe they'll be, like, exchanging life stories. And it'll, they'll be like, he'll be like, back in Gimmelstump, and Bradley will Actually, be like, it's back in the, that- the third year of my life. 
that makes back and forth for me because it would be interesting to hear them sharing backstories. And how similar they are. It's like, I want to see that, but also I don't know. Maybe I want to see him confront that issue more with Milo. I don't know when he would, or if he would. We don't know. We just know so little about Bradley. There was also that one screenshot that we still haven't seen of him with, like, a, a snow covering on his pistachio arm. Do you remember that? It's like an orange sleeve over his, and he's like, he's like got his hands crossed. Oh, yeah. I almost completely forgot about that. So I was thinking Snow Way Out. We know we're getting more Bradley. And we know we're getting more Doof. Maybe that's from the same episode. I think they were spread apart enough that it would be two different ones. Fingers crossed, multiple Bradley episodes. Yes. I was like, I want to hope that they are, because that would be more interesting. Of course, it could be like the Carla thing again, and we think it's going to be a big episode, and yeah, it's just something really crazy. Carla! It's like they're teasing us. Like, they know we want more about him, but they're just giving us, and I'm not disappointed with the Carla thing, but they just want to give us things that totally go, like, opposite of what we thought. Okay, even in Milo's shadow, this is getting a little too, uh, two weeks from now, but, like, there's just one shot of Bradley, and he's just looking in the mirror, and the mirror says, what a cute kid. (laughs) I'm like a subtly kind of overconfident thing. It's like one little shot. He doesn't even have to talk and like I loved him in that episode. There's a lot to look forward to. I think I was I was telling somebody this the other day that with this season, it feels like more so than last season, everything is waiting for a payoff. So far, like nothing has like, I feel like everything is going to be explained. Like, why is Doof being so annoying? And why are the characters reacting to him being annoyed? Like, he's purposefully being written more annoying. It's yeah. not just bad writing. And, and then that's there's... one thing why I'm, like, cautious dutching. What? Cautious, so... cautious dutch? What? <laughs> see, see, I don't just do this over message. I do this in real conversation. This is um, real life. I don't, that's why I don't want to judge him too soon, though. Because I'm like, I want to see that payoff. Like, we know so the Professor Time arc is going to have a conclusion. And we know that, you know, the whole Cavendish and Dakota story with the aliens and Bob Block. Like, I want to know more about Bob Block. I want to know more about the aliens. I want to know more about why they're here. I want to know more about when Doofenshmirtz is going to become Professor Time. I want to know more about Bradley. I want to know all these things. And what did they uh, give yeah, me? That's what... They gave me Doof Stay Out. <laughs> this is what's trying, like, that's like me trying to keep optimistic about it because I know there's going to be some kind of payoff. Kind of hoping after we get that they don't stick with Doof cameos. At least we got Managing Murphy's Law, which is a fantastic episode. And we also got if enough get... Mylanda Armadillo content to last a lifetime. Is that, like, your favorite ship name for it? I love Armadillo. It just makes me laugh. I just, like, I heard Melanda first, and Melanda's just, like, that's all I've known, and that's, so I'm stuck on it. Melanda. I don't know. I, I really like Armadillo. I bet you that would be Isaac's favorite version of that name, too. Because Armadillos, they roll, and they're just rolling with it. See, that one didn't go over my head, either. Yay! That was so obvious that I'm still, <laughs> I'm still proud of myself. 
So that about concludes this week's show, I think. That's that's enough ridiculous rumors to get you thinking for the week. Um, was was there anything else you wanted to say about anything that we talked about in this episode, Rachel? That's about all I can think of. All you can think of for now, but then two seconds after yes. we turn off the recording, yeah. we're going we're gonna <laughs> to have a whole other line I of things. Be, I will be tweeting the thoughts that I missed. Probably not, but... Exactly. Oh, yeah, also, uh, if you guys want to check out Rachel's Twitter at I Make My Luck 4 or just search I Make My, like, I underscore make. I think, I think we've talked about this on the show. Anyways, listen to another episode if you want to find her Twitter handle or just look in the show notes. But... Or my... Okay, like, my Twitter is, like, so long. I don't know why I said or, but, like, yeah, I know it's so long. But last week we had talked about making uh, a little edit... Where, you know, Baljeet's explaining the Phineas and Ferb effect, and then <laughs> you cut to, as soon as he says, this is what's going to happen, Buford says, the earth explodes, and directed by Buford himself. She actually made that edit, and it's on her Twitter, so if you want to see it. It's like, I, I don't know why I thought it'd be hard, because that's like the easiest thing to put together, because you just have to cut it, right? Yeah, and exactly. Done. That's it. I'm like, why did I overthink that? Yeah, but, so, things from previous episodes are popping up in our Twitter feeds. We often both talk about things from the episode and elaborate, expand on. Sometimes we'll ask Joshua Pruett. Sometimes he'll respond. Sometimes he'll ignore us. But anyways, if you want to get in on the real fun of the show, follow us on all three of our Twitters. They're in the uh, they're actually in the podcast description. So if you just look at that, you can find the handles and follow us. And the main one is at Miracle or Milo. And that one will give you all of the news about the show. Everything else can go through our personal twitters if you would like to hear an extended version of this episode after you've already finished it you can check out our youtube channel and you can listen to the entire thing again just to hear the 10 or 15 minutes that were cut out because you love the show so much i think that's about all the announcements uh oh uh rachel you want to tell them about uh the anchor fm app because we didn't get in a listener call this week oh yeah um so if you get onto the anchor fm app you can actually send us your questions or views or thoughts about the show maybe something you want us to improve upon or touch upon different different subjects and we'll look into it and you may you may find on the next episode of the show that we've answered your question exactly so make sure you do that you can record a voice message or you can email the show uh, at phineasflynnslaw at gmail.com and we can take your questions from there but we would really love you to call in because it's always fun to hear you guys on the show that concludes this week on a miracle or milo and we'll see you next time bye it's my world and we're all living in it. All credit goes to Fizzy on YouTube for recording the Milo Murphy's Law instrumental theme. The original Milo Murphy's Law theme song is copyright Disney 2018, as well as all the characters and things that we discuss. Any copyrighted content from Milo Murphy's Law in this production is used to enhance our opinions and commentary on the show.